Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Alfredo Peña, and we are excited that we are worshiping together this morning. We are continuing in the book of Matthew, um, and boy, what an awesome journey it has been. And, and I pray that this time together, as we've been navigating and, and journeying and studying and learning uh, the book of Matthew, that it has been a transformational experience for you as it has been for us. Today, we continue in chapter uh, 21 of Matthew, verses 33 to 46. And it says this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to the vine growers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves, larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? <clears throat> they said to him, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will not rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, did you never read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing the fruit of it. And who, and he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whoever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. When they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Most living and loving God, we, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word, holy God, and I know that this morning, God, it will touch us, God, in ways that we have yet to experience. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, that prepares our hearts and our and our ears and our and our heart and our spirit, God, to be able to receive your word this morning. We thank you and we honor you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The title of my sermon is The Master's Vineyard. And, and let's do a little bit of background today as we continue, as I mentioned, in the book of Matthew. This is the third parable invite in, involving the vineyard. Uh, the first one was in chapter 20, and it was a parable of the workers. The second one was the parable of the two sons. And today is the parable of the tenants. And again, part of the background is Jesus shared these parables because of three particular incidents, confrontations that he had experienced with the Pharisees. First one is where he overturns the tables as he enters into the temple. The second, Jesus curses the fig tree, the fruitless fig tree. And the third is Jesus' authority is questioned. So Jesus answers with these parables. 
Now, we also learned that the reason that Jesus used parables is because he was trying to get us to understand something, to, to answer a question, to, to try to get us to not miss a point, to understand an important principle. Uh, to me, when Jesus shares parables, is, is like when I tell you, listen, you don't want to miss this, right? And, and I'm glad that Jesus used those parables, those stories that will help us connect, that help us to be able to, to not just hear the, the scripture, but by way of stories, almost be able to visualize it and then relate and connect to it. So here we see that it is not Jesus's first confrontation with the Pharisees, and it certainly wouldn't be the last. But I wonder why the ongoing confrontations, don't you? I mean, I wonder why didn't Jesus just say, you know what, I'm done with y'all. You know, you're just never going to get it. But instead, he persisted. And it makes you wonder why, because you know what, the reality for, for you and for me is that we tend to avoid people that we have conflict with. You, you know, this is true, right? You go to the grocery store and you run into, or you see somebody that, that you have conflict with, that you might have a disagreement with or a problem with and you just avoid them right you go the other direction you go to another aisle because you don't want to run into them we see this with family reunions you know we don't go to family functions because we don't want to run into somebody that a uh, family member that we might have conflict with so we just naturally avoid um, that confrontation so we avoid people that we have conflict with but that's not what we see here with jesus Jesus continues in his persistence. He continues in his boldness. He continues in, in, in his determination to set things straight with the Pharisees. And, and, and it begs the question, why? Why did he continue to do this? And let me tell you something. I think it's important that we understand Jesus' motivation for this. Was he doing it because he likes confrontation? No. Was he doing it because he, was, he enjoyed calling them out and embarrassing them? No. Did he do it because it was a, a tit for tat? You know, I'm going to show you. No. Did he do it because he wanted to exclude them and, and, and say, I, I look better because I'm, I'm going to make you look bad? Absolutely not. You know, I think sometimes we can get into that mindset. Like Jesus is saying, you know what, bring it on. I, I'm ready to take you on. But if we look at Jesus's character, then you know that those are not the reasons that Jesus um, did this. That, that's not what motivated him. When you look at Jesus's character and, and how loving he was and, and how gracious he was and even how patient he was, then you understand that what motivated Jesus to continue in, this, in his persistence with the Pharisees is that he was not going to give up on them. He knew that they had it wrong. He knew that they didn't understand. And maybe he even knew that they understood it, but they were still being disobedient. And he knew these things, but he was not going to give up. If you look at the timing of the scripture, this is around the time where Jesus already, you know, triumphantly came into Jerusalem. So this is in the last week of his ministry um, here on earth and so and in his human ministry. And so, so he knows time is of the essence. So I think as you see these parables, you see that, that the intensity kind of tightens a little bit. And, and I think it's because he understood that they, they needed to understand. He didn't give up on them. It kind of reminds me 
of our parents when we're teenagers and we're growing up and, and some of us even still as adults, right? When our parents are constantly on us about something and we say, you know, enough already, stop telling me, stop, you know, uh, preaching to me, stop, stop lecturing me. And, and what do our parents say? I'm not going to stop because it's good for you. I'm doing this for your own good. I'm doing this because I want the best for you. I'm doing this because you're wrong and I need you to do the right thing. And they just do not give up and they do not give up because they love us. We don't like it, <laughs> but they love us and they're not going to give up. Parents, listen to me. I'm talking to you. You do not give up on your children. Just as Jesus didn't give up on the Pharisees and man, you and I, we could say he had every reason to, but he didn't. And I love that about these parables. And, and the, the goal for these parables is not condemnation. That is not what Jesus is trying to do to them and to us. It is recovery. It is an opportunity to make things right. It is, it is a warning saying you're going the wrong way and I need you to do the right thing. And, and, and today I invite you. You know, we Christians, we love invitations, right? We talked about it last week. You know, we, we might see the need. We might see that we have every opportunity to be able to help. And yet we will wait until we get that invitation. And so today, this is your invitation to, to take these parables and, and to understand that the reason that, that he um, was consistent and persistent and bold is because he wasn't going to give up on them. And today, I am happy to say he does not give up on us. Today, we're going to look at three life application points that will help us understand the scripture, that will help us process the scripture, and that will help us ultimately apply the scripture in our lives. Let us uh, pray this morning. Most living and loving God, I just thank you for this time together. I thank you, Father God, because we know that you will prepare our hearts, God, so that we can hear um, the message that you have for us this morning. I thank you, Father God, for creating this safe space, God, where we will be able, God, to um, be honest, God, to just be standing before you, God, naked, because we know that your Holy Spirit will be able to go beyond the, the mask, beyond the walls, God, beyond the, the pretenses, God, and be able to know, God, to speak to us in a way that only you through your Holy Spirit can. I ask, Father God, that you give us comfort this morning, God, that, that we don't receive the scripture, God, as, as condemnation, but as an opportunity, God, to just recover um, for those of us that sometimes tend to go the wrong way. We thank you for this time together. We thank you for your love and in the way that you so lovingly give us this message and this information. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So here's the first life application point. This parable is a mirror. <clears throat> and so let me explain. Um, when we think about the Pharisees, we think about them and us. I mean, I think very few of us will honestly um, say, as we read the parables, as we see the different characters in the scriptures, I think very few of us would say, I think I see myself in that Pharisee. I think that chief priests, I think that those Pharisees, that's, that's me. <laughs> very few of us will say that. Many of us will 
will relate to other characters um, in, in, in the story, but very rarely would we honestly say, that's me. And I think that's, that's important because the reality is many of us do exhibit the same behaviors that the Pharisees did. And the one thing that I have to say about the Pharisees is that they got it right. <laughs> Verse 45 says, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood he was speaking about them. So why is it important that today you and I, that you and I can say the same thing and, and, and understand that he was speaking, he is speaking about us. Except that this is what I think the difference should be. When they realized that, when they realized that he was speaking about them, they didn't like it. And their reaction was very different. That's when they decided we need to get rid of this guy already. Because he is threatening our position. He's threatening our power. He's, 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 we don't like what he's trying to do. And we need to get rid of him. Now remember, these are people that knew better. But they refused to obey. They refused to acknowledge his authority. And instead, they, they did not like what he was um, doing. And so they rejected the messenger. And they wanted to kill him. My prayer today is that I have better luck in delivering this sermon than Jesus did, and that we accept this message, and that we, that we are honest as we listen to this message and allow the Holy Spirit to, to become that mirror as we look at this parable and say, do I see myself when I see their behavior? When I see their reaction, do I see myself in that mirror? So, so let's just look at just two things that I believe they were doing wrong here. One is they forgot they were tenants. Listen, the definition of tenants is a person holding land or other real estate under another, either by grant, lease, or at will. One who has occupation and temporary possession of the land. In other words, we, we, we work that land, we might have possession of the land, but the land does not belong to us. The land did not belong to them. And, and this is the first mistake that they made, is so they, they, they knew the agreement, right? The landowner was going to allow them to work the fields, allow them to work. He listened, he had already set it up. He had already prepared everything. He had built the wall, he had built the tower, the wine press, everything was ready. All they had to do was do the work. And somehow as they were doing that, and somehow as they were seeing the results, and, and they were probably being successful in doing it, somehow they forgot that they were tenants and that the land, the property, the vineyard did not belong to them. And the second thing that they did is they became greedy. <clears throat> See, the agreement was you work the land, but you're going to give part of your harvest to the landowner. That was the agreement. And when it came time for harvest, they got greedy. They did not want to give the landowner what was rightfully his. 
And so today I ask that question again, do we see, as we, we see this parable, as we see these behaviors, do we see ourselves? Do we see us exhibiting some of those same behaviors? And I think we do. I think we do because I think today, today we say things like, you know, it's my life. And, and no one gets to tell me how I'm supposed to live it. It is my life and I get to choose what it is that I'm going to do or not going to do. Remember, we even learned about it last, you know, last week when we said, we don't like authority. Don't tell me what to do. Ask me nicely and then I'll consider it. And we do the same thing with God. So, so we do say things like, it is my life. It is my money. I earned it. I worked hard for it. So don't come and tell me that I need to help. Don't come and tell me that I have a responsibility to tithe. Don't tell me what I'm supposed to do with my money. Listen, these are some famous words and we all like to use them. We all like to say, it is my money. And when we say that, <clears throat> All of us know what that means, especially those of us that are married. When we say it is my money, then what we're saying is you don't get to tell me how I'm supposed to spend this money. It is my money, so I get to spend it however I want. And we do that to each other. And trust me, we do that with God. It is my gift and my talent. I get to choose when and how I'm going to use it. Don't tell me. I, you know, we again go back to last week where we said we think that we should have a say so in when, how, and how much of my talents and my gifts I'm going to give God. When the reality is it is not our life. It is not our money and it is not our talents. Everything that we have was given to us by Him. And, and listen, church, do not make the same mistake that these tenants made in thinking that the vineyard was theirs. And we think that, that our life and our talents and our gifts and our money and even our time are ours. And I'm here to tell you today, they're not. And we cannot make the same mistakes. We are tenants. We're supposed to be good stewards. So, so we need to, to look honestly at this parable and say, I'm, oh my goodness, I'm seeing myself. That is my image right there as I read these parables and I see these behaviors. And the good thing today, listen, I'm so glad that you are watching today. I'm so glad that we're spending this time together because this is not about condemnation. So please do not be discouraged. Please do not get upset, but, but just listen to the invitation from Jesus today to say today if you have the opportunity because I'm not going to give up on you and I will refuse to give up on you like like I didn't give up on the Pharisees I'm not going to give up on you and today is your opportunity to turn things around to surrender to me to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and then I promise you Jesus says everything else will fall into place. Have you said, it is my life, it is my money, it is my talents, and it is my time? You know, on Wednesday, we, we learned and we talked a little bit more about how wonderful it is to, to have come to, to know Christ and to, to receive and accept His salvation and receive His grace. 
and receive his unconditional love and to allow him to put us back together and restore us and, and reconcile us and heal us and liberate us and, and bring that freedom into our lives. And it is just amazing to be able to get to that place of wholeness and healing. But to do what? See, there's more to that story, and we cannot just stop there. Yes, we can thank God, and we can praise Him, and we can bless Him for it, but when we get to, to that place, that we feel so loved, we project that love and we see others and we want to love them. And we want to share the gospel, not because of how broken they are, remember, but because of how loved they are. And when we reach that place of spiritual maturity, that we can think outside of ourselves and think beyond our own individual needs, then that's when we are moved to serve and to help others. That's when, when we refuse to go from pew potatoes to couch potatoes. And, and, I, and I thank God because, listen, these past couple of weeks, that's why I know that these parables and these messages are touching people as they are touching me because I'm getting phone calls saying, Pastor, we need to do something. Pastor, what can I do? You know, Pastor, if there's anything that you need me to do, um, you know, just let me know. You know, just yesterday um, I had a conversation saying, I feel like I need to be doing more. Yes. Yes, absolutely, yes. And so, so, so let's not get into that mindset that it is mine and I get to choose, but to, to know that we have an understanding, we have a commitment that is not ours, and that, that we are, all we're asked is to give back just a little, not even everything, but just a little of the many ways in which he blesses us. Here's life application point number two. I apologize. I went a little longer on that point, but, but listen, it is important that we fully understand because we tend to dismiss the, the, the examples uh, and the behaviors of the Pharisees thinking that would never be us. And, and today I think it's important that we make that assessment. Here's a second life application point. We all have been given vineyards. See, I, I invite you to join us on Wednesday for Bible study because we were speaking more detail about what all these things mean, right? But today we're looking at this in, in an application perspective. And the truth is we all have been given vineyards. Vineyards during that time, um, during this particular parable was referring to Israel. But today, those, those requirements still apply to us. Those principles still apply to us. And we all have been given vineyards. They are the people, the relationships, the circumstances, and events in our lives that God has entrusted to our care. Listen, that includes our world. That includes the universe. So when, when, when people dismiss you know, global warming. Listen, we have a responsibility. We were given responsibility to be good stewards of everything that he created and everything that he gave us. And, and so that includes the universe. That includes the world. And we need to be good stewards of those things. So don't, don't dismiss it. And, and, and so again, the, the vineyards that we have been given, you know, have to do with our own relationships, you know, we, we, our marriages, our, our children, you know, our jobs, all those are opportunities, all those are vineyards that God has entrusted for our care. 
And, and we can speak individually about all these things. We could do a whole series on these. But today, I want to focus specifically on the church as the vineyard. That you and I, we have been entrusted to care for this church. This church is our vineyard. And the church, you know, the servants that, that we see in the parable that God has been sending, you know, he sent prophet after prophet and ultimately sent his son. And, and they rejected all of them and rejected Jesus. And we cannot do the same thing. The reason for us to do this is so that we don't uh, follow in those steps, right? We don't repeat that history. So, and, and the reason he did that is because he never gave up on them, just like he doesn't give up on us. And so, so some of us <clears throat> are those workers. And all of us that are entrusted with the care of this church, that's our vineyard. And you and I, we have a responsibility to produce fruit. That's exactly what we are called to do. We are called to produce fruit. And we need to understand when we talk about the church that the church does not belong to us. We are just here to be stewards of it. We are here to work. We are here to work and work hard. But it doesn't belong to us. <laughs> you know, for those of you that might not know, but um, I'm I'm a, I'm a landlord. I, I have properties, rental properties in, in Brownsville. And, and, and imagine if one of my tenants was to tell me, I live here, I, I maintain this house, I, I cut the grass, I keep it in good shape, I, I keep it cleaned, I, you know, I, I, I'm the one that pays the bills in this house. How dare you think that this is your house? And imagine we do the same thing with God. Just because we are, we are occupying the space doesn't mean that we are the owners. And we can never make the mistake, church, like the Pharisees did, to think that this church that we have been entrusted to care for is ours. And so how do we know when we're getting into that mindset? When we think it's ours. When we think we get to choose, see, what was happening here is they did not like what Jesus was reminding them that they were supposed to do. They were not doing things wrong necessarily. They were working the vineyard. But Jesus was saying, first of all, it's not your vineyard, it's mine. And second of all, you are supposed to give me some of that harvest. And so as a church, we need to be careful, not just that we're working, because we can be a hardworking church. And we can, we can be so focused on growing the church and, and the attendance and making sure that we, that, that we are packing up the room. And, and, but are we making disciples? Are we producing the fruit that we're supposed to be producing? And we are called to go and make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Not, not to entertain, not to, to fill up the buildings, not, not to increase our, our, you know, our viewers. No, all those things are good. Don't get me wrong. But those things, absence, absent of the discipleship, those things, absent of the transformation that comes with, with our relationship with God, those things separated from, from, the call to go and make disciples, then we're not producing the right fruit. 
See, see, God has already set everything in place for us. All you and I have to do is we have to remain focused on the gospel, on what it is that we're supposed to do. Go out and make disciples. And listen, you cannot go out and make disciples if we are not disciples ourselves. So, so whenever we get into that mindset of, you know, we don't want the church to change, Pastor. We like it the way it is. Why, why do we have to get bigger? I kind of like the fact that I know everybody in the church because it's not about us. Because, you know, or we say, you know, I like, I like the way our church is. You know, we don't need those kind of people, Pastor. You know, those kind of people don't fit in what we want to do. Let me tell you something, it's not our church. You know, we can, we can say, you know, Pastor, why are you trying to minister to the homeless? How are the homeless going to help us be able to meet our financial goals? Why are you inviting people that are, that are poor and unemployed and instead of giving to the church are taking from the church? They're, listen, it's not our church. It is not ours. We are here to, to do the work that he calls us to do. So when we get into that mindset that we want to, that we want to shape, that we, that we want to, to, to make the church into what we want it to be, then I think that's when we need to be reminded of this parable, that we're just tenants, that it doesn't belong to us, and that we don't have the right to then take over God's church. He is the head of this church. He is the leader of this church. <clears throat> and we need to always be mindful of that. What is the fruit that we should be producing? I am glad to see numbers growing. I am glad that we're able to meet our financial responsibilities. But ultimately, our desire as a church, honestly, my only concern as a pastor is transformed lives. Is, are you living the life that God wants you to live? Are you living out the purpose um, that God has in your life? Are you walking in your calling? Are you um, enjoying the blessings and the benefits of being called his children? That church is what my goal, my focus needs to be and everybody that is in this church and our clergy. The church does not belong to us. <clears throat> Here's the third life application point. And it's more of a question. How is your garden growing? You know, we must look at the vineyards of our lives. So how's your garden growing? What do you see? Is there fruit? Is there life? Are you sharing in God's kingdom? And so today I want us to look at um, and I'm going to start first with an assessment. Because when I talk about how's your garden growing, you know, this is one of the dangers that I think I see in Christianity is that we can be so focused on somebody else's garden that we neglect our own. So, so today, I, I don't want you to look at your neighbor's garden. I don't want you to look at my garden. I want you to look at your garden. How is your garden growing? What do you see? Is there fruit there? Is there life? Don't be so focused on somebody else's garden. And so here's an assessment that I think will help us be able to answer those questions. Again, we're talking about our own personal gardens, not somebody else. So here are some questions. Do I demonstrate the love of God to others? Is my life 
filled with joy. Do I experience peace in every, every area of my life? Every area of my life, not just some, but every area of my life. Am I patient with my children, my spouse, my friends? Am I kind to others? Do I strive to achieve the goodness of Christ in my life? Am I faithful to my spouse, my children, my church, and my other commitments in my life? And I think at this point, some of you are saying, Pastor, stop. Are my responses gentle? Do I have control of my thoughts, my words, and my actions? And let me tell you, all these things point to the fruits of the Spirit. What is the fruit that you see in your life? And here, here are some things that are important principles for us to apply in our lives. And listen, we have to make sure that we don't miss this. The first thing we need to have the fruit that we should be producing in our gardens is Jesus. We, we cannot grow the fruit that we need to grow, the right fruit. We cannot, we will not be able to do it without Jesus. Listen, there is no program out there. There's no amount of money out there. There's no amount of talent out there that's going to be able to substitute Jesus. You know, Scripture tells us, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, that, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But listen, this is, I like this part though, you know, and it's easy for us to, to miss it. It says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. Not, not a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. So listen, the first thing that we have to make sure is that we are connected to Jesus, that Jesus is the lead, that Jesus is the core of, of, of everything that we do, that, that Jesus is the main, uh, the main one in our lives. That's necessary. Here's the other part. We must be fertile soil. <clears throat> are we? Because in order for us to be fertile soil, we need to be willing to receive correction. How well do we receive correction? When somebody comes to us and, and lovingly tries to correct us, how do we receive that? Do we exhibit the behavior of the Pharisees? Or do we say, thank you for pointing that out to me? We have to get to a point where we have to be serious about our, our uh, spiritual growth. So, so I'm going to ask you, will you start today? Stop getting mad at me every Sunday when I deliver this message. And it reminds me of um, some time back when I'm, you know, standing at the door as I, as I used to do and, and, and greet everybody. And this person um, said to me, Pastor, sometimes I walk out of there so mad at you because I don't like what you tell me, but I'm so glad that you do. In order for us to be fertile ground, we have to be willing to receive 
the message. We have to be willing to receive um, the, the lesson. We have to be able to receive the scriptures. We have to be able to receive the authority of Christ. Listen, many of us still today reject the authority of Christ just by way of our disobedience. I heard a pastor say, you know, those of us that understand the love languages, Jesus' love language is obedience. All he wants from you and from me is to be obedient to what he has called us to do. Are you fertile soil? You must have Jesus. He is the vine. We must be fertile soil and always be willing to receive the seeds that are planted by the gospel. And we have to make sure that we have those seeds and that is the word of God. Listen, it's not just going to happen um, by turn, tuning in on Sunday mornings. It's not, that's not going to be enough. I, I invite you to participate in Bible study. Listen, in the only way that we're going to be able to be connected with Jesus, be that fertile soil and, and allow the seeds to be planted in our lives is through his word. And it's, it's going to require more than a 30-minute sermon on Sundays. It's, it's not even going to be enough to just do Bible study on Sundays. You also need to spend your time alone in devotion and study. And here's number three. We must be able to establish roots. See, once that, that vine starts growing those, those roots, they become the anchor to that plant. And our roots is our faith. And we must be well planted in our faith. Because that way the winds can come, whatever the situation might be, and we are going to remain standing because we are well planted in our faith. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do to make sure that we are fertile ground. You know, we if, we if we take care of our vineyards, we can we can fertilize, we can water, we can plant, we can do all these things. But ultimately, anything that you plant requires God to do His part. And so today, I'm asking you: Are you connected with Jesus in every part of your life? Because when we abide in Him, then we are able to bear much fruit—not just a little bit, but much fruit. Are we fertile soil? Are we taking in the seeds of his word? Are we established, have we established roots in our faith? He will not give up on us. He did not give up on the Pharisees. And so today it is an invitation. So are you ready for a pop quiz this morning? The first one that we do was an assessment. This is a pop quiz. So, so let's be honest about our answers. Do I demonstrate the love of God to others? Is my life filled with joy? Do I experience peace in every area of my life? Am I patient with my children, my spouse and my friends? Am I kind to others? Do I strive to achieve the goodness of Christ in my life? Am I faithful to my spouse, my children, my church, and other commitments in my life? Are my responses gentle? Do I have control of my thoughts, my words, and my actions? See, this is the second time that I read that list. And I pray that when we heard it that second time, that it was more encouraging. That, that, that we were not putting up 
this this wall that, that we were not defensive about it see sometimes when we hear it the first time our first reaction is to say whoa um i don't i don't know that i like that but i think once we understand why and i think this is what you and i we need to do this daily understand why it is that these things are important and then go back and when we went back and read it that second time then you know what it's not become it's not as threatening as it was the first time in fact i'm excited because it is more doable uh, for me church we must be fertile ground it is important that we that we can see these parables and that we can see them as mirrors in our lives you and I need to understand that we are tenants. We do not own our lives, our time, our money. It's all his. He gave it all to us. And, and the moment that we think that we are the owners and the moment that we get greedy with the blessing that he has given us, listen, we're never going to run out of God's grace and his blessings. Never. You cannot outrun it. So stop hoarding it. And we have to ask ourselves, how is our garden growing? What do we see in our gardens? And, and let me tell you, when we apply these things in our lives, we will see the fruit of the Spirit. And let me tell you something. When, when we go down that list, not only are we going to be blessed by it, but everyone around us, everyone around us that loves us, that works with us, that, that has some kind of interaction with us, all of us will benefit when we produce the fruit of the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almost loving God, we thank you. God, we are excited and we thank you, God, for this amazing message. We thank you, Father God, that, that the message is solid, God, that it is good substance, but it is wrapped in such beauty. It is wrapped in such, such love. It is wrapped in such grace, God, that we are encouraged today, God, that we end this time of service and we, and we walk away encouraged and knowing, God, that, that you have some amazing things for us, God. And so today, I thank you, God, for the mirror. I thank you, God, for not the condemnation, but the opportunity to recover, God, the, the, the warning that you give us as we look in, in our lives through these parables and as we see our own images, God. And today we thank you because you are the God of many opportunities and that you lovingly, God, um, will allow us to be able to turn away, to repent God, from those behaviors and, 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 and start walking, God, and, and the life and the purpose that you have for each one of us. We thank you, Father God, because we know that our lives are yours. And so today, God, we surrender all of it to you, God, all of it. Understanding, God, that it's not something that we're giving you, but we are acknowledging that you've given us everything, all of it. And today we surrender it all to you, God, because we know that you know best what is best for us. Because today, God, we make the decision to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, because we know, God, that when we do that, you will supply every need that, that we have out there to be able to do what you've called us to do. And today, God, we thank you for our gardens. We thank you, Father God, because we know that we have everything that we need, God, as we have Jesus, 
as we have our willingness, God, to, to receive and, and our eagerness and our hunger to learn. And as we take your word, God, and allow that to be the seeds, God, that we need. And as we stand firm in our faith. Because we know that all those things together will produce the fruit, God, that you've called us to produce. And we're not going to be like that fig tree, but we're going to be producing much fruit. We thank you, God, as today we are reminded that we are called to go out and make disciples, God. And, and, and that we know and we understand that the only way we can do that is if we ourselves become disciples first. We thank you, Holy God. We honor you and we love you, God, for loving us so much that you give us, God, these opportunities every day, God, to be able to recover and, and, and be able to, to set things right. We thank you for never giving up on us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Church, thank you for joining us this morning. It is our prayer that this message and this service was a blessing to you. I invite you to visit our website, nb-ccc.org, and then you can uh, let us know how you are doing. Send us your prayer requests. Listen, this is a way for you to connect with us. You go to our calendar of events and go to the Wednesday tab and you will see a way in which you can connect with us at 6.30 for our virtual connections. And then at 7 o'clock, we do our Bible study. Listen, I invite you to join us this Wednesday because I'm telling you, we're going to have an amazing time of study. You also have our Spanish services at 9 o'clock in the morning. And then we have our children's ministry service immediately after this. But also... This is an opportunity for you to also come to our website and be the good stewards that we need to be and be able to give our love offerings and our tithing. It is important that we maintain our responsibilities, our financial responsibilities, especially as we go through these difficult times. We thank you for joining us. And now go, go out and, and share the good news. Go out and share the gospel, not because we see brokenness, but because we see how loved they are. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.